Father, we're so grateful for the worship we have experienced thus far. I mean, truly, I mean, is there any other name as beautiful as Jesus? The one who demonstrated his love for us while we were still sinners. So, Father, as we continue in worship now, as sharing your word, just thank you for continuing to pour out your spirit upon this place, that you would touch every person, that you would be with each person online through your spirit. For we do thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, if you're just joining us today, we're actually in part five. We're actually finishing off a sermon series that we've been going through all summer long, or kind of for five weeks, called The Answer. We've been seeking to explore God's call, or how to hear God's voice in the midst of these storms of life. And today we're closing it out on how to hear God's call in the midst of all that. So it was the summer of 2017, and I was in trouble. I evaluated my progress thus far, my Doctor of Ministry program, and I determined that unless I enact very quickly a self-imposed intervention, I would basically finish never. That's not a good feeling. Thankfully, the solution, the answer came about in one of three ways. First of all, I applied for a sabbatical. So this, this was the summer of 2017, and thankfully the Michigan Conference granted a 10-week sabbatical that was going to start in the summer of 2018. And this was going to be a game changer for me, because for the first time, at least in this program, I could just kind of turn everything else off, as it were, and I could just focus on one thing, and that was just creating as much content for my demon dissertation project as I could. So I really needed that time off. The second solution or answer came about through having a dedicated place to write. My parents live in the country in north central Florida. They have 20 acres out there. They said, Rodley, why don't you come on out to our place and we're going to prepare a special room for you to write in. I mean, it was, it was amazing. I mean, this is the setup for us, okay? So we all came down, we drove down to Florida, and Yvette and I would sleep in one room, and Jonathan and Daniel would sleep in another room. And then my mom had prepared this special, special room. It's only one room in the house like this. It's kind of like an attic room. It goes, there's some stairs that go up, and when you go up these stairs, you kind of feel like you are completely disconnecting from everything else. So it was very... It was decorated very minimalistically, which was perfect for getting some stuff done. I had brought all my most important books with me, and this is kind of how my days would go. So we'd wake up in the morning, and we'd have worship, and we'd come have breakfast, and every morning my mom would be preparing these really delicious and nutritious breakfasts, some good old yuca and platano and aguacate, some of you know what I'm talking about, some good brain food. And after we had eaten sufficiently, my mom would say, go, get out of here, get to work. I said, thank you, mom, thank you, thank you so much. And, and, and I'd check in with my wife, Evad, and like, you good? Go, Rodley, just go, get some work done. I'd, okay, okay, thank you so much. And I would go, and I would try to write for about 12 hours a day. The room had its own bathroom, hallelujah, it was really nice, had its own bathroom. I would literally only come out of the room to eat. 
So I'd go up the stairs in the morning after breakfast. I'd write when it was lunchtime. I'd come down. I would eat. I'd go back when it was time for supper. I'd go down. After supper, I'd try to get a little bit more work. I'd go back up for one or two more hours. Now, look, as amazing as those two solutions or answers were, having dedicated time to write and dedicated place to write, I'm just telling you, all of those really would have been for naught unless I had enacted this final and third answer, this solution. It was to set things on do not disturb. Now, look, here's what it meant for me to put things on do not disturb. For one, I deleted all social media apps from my phone. I did not want to be tempted in any way from any social media platform. Also, I completely deleted Facebook. So I went through the steps and I deleted Facebook. I know, I know, I know. Facebook never really deletes it, even if you ask to be deleted. They don't really delete it. But I went through the process. I deleted it. And then, of course, I basically lived 24-7 with my phone on Do Not Disturb mode on. I didn't want any beeps, any notifications, and as well with my Mac as well, I had it on Do Not Disturb. I didn't want any interruptions so that I could just get some good stuff done. Now look, let me ask you a question. How many are grateful for the Do Not Disturb mode on your phone? I was watching online. How many are grateful for that? I mean, it's amazing, right? Whenever you really need to get some good, deep thinking work done... You just got to shut it out, don't you? You just put the do not disturb mode on and you're not hearing any beeps. It's really nice. Okay, let me ask you a question. Let me take it to the next level. How many of you, what if I told you that there was a a do not disturb mode for life, if you will? Imagine if you could enact the do not disturb mode on and then all of a sudden kind of the stress level in life would lower a little bit? What if there was a do not disturb mode on that you could activate and all of a sudden the anxiety level would be lowered a little bit? What if you could enact this do not disturb mode on and all of a sudden life would just get a little bit more focused and a little bit more simple? How many would like to have that kind of do not disturb mode on for your life? Yeah, me too. And apparently you're not alone. Can I share with you this, this article Look, here's a few publications that came out just in the last few weeks. This one from the New York Times. Check out this title. A lot of people are wanting to lower the anxiety and their stress level. Check out this headline. Rookie bankers sour on Wall Street's pitch of big pay and long hours. It says, as young professionals re-examine their work life, investment banking is becoming a less popular choice despite the money. Okay. Maybe, maybe that's a one-off. Okay, check this one out from the Wall Street Journal. Forget going back to the office. People are just quitting instead. Have you heard about that? It says, as the pandemic cloud lives, the percentage of Americans leaving employees for new opportunities is at its highest level in more than two decades. Okay, how about just one more? This one's from Bloomberg. It says, employees are quitting instead of giving up working from home. What's going on? These articles all begin to talk about and describe how if there's a good thing that COVID has done for us, a lot of bad things, if there's at least a good thing that it's done for us, is it's kind of forced us to re-examine our values. Have you noticed that? 
So people are saying, well, wait a second, look, you know, during the lockdown, during COVID, I got a chance to reconnect with my family. I got a chance to reconnect with my kids. I got a chance to work on these hobbies that I had never really had a chance to work on. And so people are saying, no, I'm going to turn down that job. That's that six figure salary. I'm going to get under six figures or whatever it might be for the sake of working home and having a simpler life. Because the truth is, people have been stressed. People have been worried. You know, that's why the words of Jesus, I think, resonate with us so much even still today. You know, as recorded in the gospel of Matthew, the words of Jesus, he said, come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Now, the word there for weary kind of evokes someone working really hard, this image, or coming from a long journey. In fact, it's the same word that's used in Luke chapter 5, verse 5. It was Peter's response to this counterintuitive fishing strategy of Jesus, where Jesus said, look, Peter, why don't you go out into the deep and just cast your net out again? And here was his response. You can almost sense the initial offense. He said, Master, we've worked hard. That's the word for weary. Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. Can you feel the weight of Peter's words? He's been working hard all night long. That's what it means to be weary. And they were trying to provide for their families. They've been working hard all night long. And all of a sudden morning comes and they have nothing to show. They have no fish to bring home. They feel defeated, not just physically, but emotionally, because they have not been able to do the job that they were supposed to do. (laughs) Master, look, we've done this all night long. We're card-carrying union members, fishermen. But because you say so, we're going to do it again. That's what it means to be weary. Okay, how about from John chapter 4, verse 6? We're trying to understand what Jesus meant when he said all those were weary. Check out what it says. John chapter 4, verse 6. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus tired. It's the word for weary in the original. Tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. Remember that story? Jesus went to see this woman, a Samaritan woman, and he wanted to reveal to her that he was the Messiah. He, he had a mission, and he wanted to reveal to her. But he came in from this journey, and can you imagine how tired Jesus was? He's tired. It's noon, the sun blazing down upon him. That's the word for weary. Okay. So what about the word for burden? Because Jesus makes this invitation. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. So what does the word burden mean? Well, we get an idea about it in Luke chapter 11, verse 46. Notice what Jesus says. It says, and you experts in the law, woe to you. 
because you load people down with burdens. Literally, it's saying you burden people with burdens they can hardly carry, and you yourselves will not lift one finger to help them. So are you catching what that word means? The word burden is the word for having so much weight on you that you cannot hold it up and you are buckling under the tremendous weight of it all. That's what it means to be burdened. It's a heavy load. And you're not cutting it. You can't lift it. You can't hold it. Let me ask you a question. Anybody ever felt weary? Or burdened? Really tired? You know, maybe you were in an exhausting relationship and you were going through all the right steps and maybe you even got some counseling and you were doing your best to make things work, but at the end of the day, you ended up breaking up. And here you are and you're just, you're just numb. And you're just empty. And you just feel like your spirit cannot utter another word. You're just so weary and burdened. Or maybe you were trying to launch that business and you had gotten all the right permits, you had gone to the county, you had jumped through a bunch of hoops, you had gotten the loan, the contracts had been signed, everything was good to go, you had the partners in the right place, you had the plan in place, but all of a sudden at the last moment things got pulled out from underneath you. And you just don't even know what to think or to say. You're weary, you're burdened, you're tired. Or maybe you're burdened down with sin. Maybe you keep falling into some kind of habitual sin and it's the kind of thing for you where you're so ashamed and embarrassed that you don't even want to acknowledge it to Jesus even though he already knows. You know what I'm talking about? I I can't even bring myself to confess it. I can't even utter it because I'm so ashamed. You're just burdened and weighed down with the weight of your sin. So, I mean, check this out. We, we read these words of Jesus, and it sounds really great, right? I mean, it sounds like a perfect transaction. Okay, come to me. I'm going to give you rest. This sounds really good, Jesus. Okay, so if I just come to you, you're going to give me the rest. Okay, okay, let's do this. Sign me up, Jesus. Let's go. But wait. Almost as if to preempt a superficial response... Jesus continues. Notice what he says in verse 29 and 30. He says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. From gentle and humble and heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, look, this might surprise some of you, but I actually didn't grow up on a farm. I know. And so many times we read words like these, and I think we have a kind of a vague idea of what it means, or, you know, yokes and these farming instruments and agriculture, but we just kind of keep on reading, right? So I've read this, and I don't really know what a yoke is, but I thought as I was 
thinking about this message, I said, you know what? Let me go to some people who actually know what a yoke actually is and who have experience in this. So this past week, I spent some time visiting with the Carpenter family. Some of you may know them, Mike and Heather Carpenter. Mike was the herdsman here at Andrews University Dairy Farm for 22 years. And right now, they continue with their own dairy and cattle operation. It's great. So I called them up and I said, guys... I don't really know what this deal is about yokes. Can you come and educate me a little bit? So I said, yeah, come on by, Rodley. So behold, a yoke. This is, an act, this is not a prop. This is an actual working yoke from their farm. After the service, you can come on up and give it a little slap if you want. It's hefty. It weighs about 35 or 40 pounds at, for those that are in the local sanctuary during the video it was playing, you saw it took several young men to put it here in place. Now look, at its most basic level, a yoke is simply a harness, right? It's a harness that's put on the shoulders of oxen, sometimes horses, and the purpose for it is to pull, essentially, right? So they might be pulling a plow that's in the earth and it's used to prepare the earth so they can prepare it for planting or maybe they're pulling a wagon, something like that. But at its most basic level, a yoke is simply a harness. All right? So I'm hanging out with them trying to learn about these yokes and these harnesses and they begin to tell me then a couple of benefits. And I want to share with you at least two benefits of having one. Here's the first one. A yoke multiplies the effort. So in other words, an ox can pull around 5,000 pounds. That's a tremendous amount of weight, one ox. So in my mind anyway, I'm not math- that mathematical. In my mind anyway, two oxen then could pull how much? I would have guessed, okay, if one can pull five, two can pull ten. Makes sense to me, Right? But no, if you have one of these instruments here, if you have a harness, if you have a yoke, it actually kind of quantum leaps the effort. It multiplies the effort. So whereas one ox can pull 5,000 pounds, two can pull between 15 and 20,000 pounds. It three X's or four X's the effort. That's pretty amazing. So that's why you often see two of them connected together. Okay, here's another one. Number two, a yoke is actually a teaching tool. Kind of a discipleship tool, if you will. You see, oxen need to be taught and trained how to pull properly and how to work with a yoke. So that's why, for example, if you want to teach a yoke to operate with one of these instruments, you don't connect it to a horse. So... Heather Carpenter, you know, as we were talking and visiting together, they said, you know, you would never want to connect two different animals, a, a, a horse and an ox, for example, because a horse just wants to blaze forward fast, right? But an ox just kind of has one major speed. It's kind of like a tractor, and it's just going slow and steady, generally. 
Plus, of course, there's anatomical differences. Ours is a little taller. Oxen's a little lower neck. And so you can just imagine the kind of mismatch and the kind of chaos you would have if you're trying to get some straight lines on your field that you're trying to prepare. So you have a horse that's blazing fast, ox that's going slow. It's not going to work well together. By the way, it's little wonder why in Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 10, God told the Israelites, he said, look, I'm going to give you some important counsel. Don't yoke together an ox and a donkey. Why? They're different animals, different temperaments, different dispositions, anatomically differently. So no. So if you want to train an ox how to do its job, you connect it to another ox with more experience. By the way, in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul borrows upon this principle in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, and he says, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. Do you remember that? Some of you read that scripture before. Does it make a little bit more sense why he would say that now? If a believer is yoked together, let's say in a relationship with an unbeliever, it can get awfully complicated. You're going at different speeds. You're not, you don't have the same plan. You don't have the same priority. You're not thinking the same things. You're, you're just different enough that you're not going to be able to fulfill the purpose that God has for you. So the apostle Paul said, just don't do that. Okay, so here's what they do instead. You you see, a yoke is a teaching tool. It's a discipleship tool, if if you will. So here's what they do. They take a strong, experienced ox, and they put in the new guy, the young one, the inexperienced one. And guess what happens, by the way, if... You know, they have the the big experienced one on the right side. They put up the little young buck on the left side. Guess what happens if the young one, the inexperienced one, wants to go too fast? Guess what happens? Oh, he's going to buck up against the strength of the older experienced ox. He's going to say, hold on. That's not quite the pace that we want to go. Or I thought this was really interesting. I had never thought about this part. Mike and Heather Carpenter, they said, you know, Rodley, sometimes also there's some ox that are just a little bit lazy. They're not really used to working, so they need to be trained to work. So I said, so how does that work? What happens? They said, well, what happens is the lazy ox will be paired up with a strong, experienced ox. And then guess what happens? If the, if the strong ox is in his work mode... And the lazy one does not want to go. Can you imagine what's going to happen? The strong ox has his speed, his attractor trailer, his moving. You better keep up or you're going to fall down. And he teaches. So as a result, the, the lazy ox or the weak ox, he says, oh, okay, I guess I could better keep up with this big guy here. Let me keep up pace with him. And as they keep doing that, that weaker ox learns to build strength for itself. It learns to fulfill the job. Okay, look, there's a lot of benefits, a lot of cool things that we can talk about yokes, but we don't have the time. Let's jump back into the story of Jesus. So here he is. And first of all, Jesus is acknowledging that too many of us are carrying heavy weights and burdens, and we're weary. Do you see that? 
I mean, that, that's the problem. That's the challenge. First of all, look, y'all are going through stuff. You're too weighed down. You're too burdened down. Okay, so what's the solution? What's the solution? First of all, I want you to, I want to share with you what Jesus is not saying, what he's not offering, okay? So first of all, Jesus is not offering to remove the load from you. Hang with me. Jesus is not offering to remove the load from you. You know, some of, some of you, some of us are like this. We say, Jesus, look, I've got my five-year strategic plan in place, and I know exactly where I'm going and by when I'm supposed to be there. I've got things to do and people to see. Oh, but you know what, Jesus? This mission that I'm on personally, it's got me a little bit stressed out. So if you could do me a solid, Jesus, if you could really hook me up, just unburden me so that I can keep going in my direction. Sorry. Sorry. Jesus is not offering to remove that load from you so that you can keep going in the direction that you want to go into. And I'm telling you, let me confess something to you. I've probably read this verse a hundred times before. And just about every time that I read it, I read it in this way that I'm about to share with you right now. Because neither is Jesus offering to come up under your yoke. I'm telling you, for whatever reason, my brain would always interpret it in this way. Jesus is not saying, yeah, you you just keep going in the direction you want to go into. Yeah, that's fine. Wherever you want to go, that's fine. I'll just come up under your yoke and I'll just, yeah, wherever you want to go, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, good. No, no. Do you notice that? I mean, what does Jesus say? Just come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And he says, take my yoke upon you. Take my yoke upon you. Okay, so what do we do then if we realize that we are being burdened down and we're feeling weary with all this weight? What do we do? Here's what we do. First of all, you have to acknowledge that you can't do it by yourself. Number one. You've got that, you're trying to overcome that sin in your own strength and you're just weighed down on it. You can't do it by yourself. You're trying to fulfill your own purposes for your own self and you keep trying to do your thing away apart from God and and you wonder why things keep getting a little bit messed up. You, You can't do it by yourself. You need help. You need help. You can't do it. So you need to acknowledge that you can't do it by yourself. Number two, here's what you do. You come to Jesus as you are. You drop the weight. Don't keep trying to carry it. You drop the weight. Say, Jesus, I failed. Jesus, I messed up. Jesus says, just come. Just come as you are. Don't worry about cleaning yourself up. Don't worry about anything. Just come. Just come. I got you, son. I got you, daughter. You acknowledge that you can't do it by yourself. You come to Jesus as you are. Number three, you yoke up with Jesus. He says, take my yoke upon you. So here's the question, though, because once you yoke up with Jesus, a couple of different things are going to happen. I want you to see this. When you yoke up with Jesus, here's what's going to start to happen in your life. You're going to start walking in the direction he wants you to go in. 
So Jesus, look, Jesus says, look, come on, come on into the yoke and we're going to go in this direction. He said, but Jesus, I had, pl- I had these kind of plans over here and I really wanted to go over here. And Jesus says, no, actually, I've got a purpose and a plan for your life that you can't fully understand right now. And it involves us going in this direction. So my son, my daughter, I need you to trust me, but we're walking in this direction. And you're going to start walking in the direction that Jesus wants you to walk in. Number two, you're going to learn to walk with Jesus when you get yoked up with Jesus. And here's the amazing thing. Do you think Jesus is going to drive you and abuse you when you're yoked up with him? What, what does the scripture say? What does Jesus say about himself? He says, look, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am what? I'm gentle. I'm humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. So when you yoke up with Jesus, you're going to begin learning to walk with Jesus. And he says, hey, just, that's it. Just, just match my pace. You say, but Jesus, I... I'm, I'm not there yet, Jesus. Jesus, can I, can I rest a little bit? He says, okay. And the psalmist says, he leads me by still waters. He leads me to green pastures. He says, okay, well, let, let's rest here. I'm, I'm gentle and humble in heart. It's okay, you, you rested enough now, son, daughter? Okay, well, let's keep going now. He says, okay, Jesus, I'm, 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 I'm learning to walk with you and... Check out number four. Number three. As you continue walking with Jesus, you're going to become stronger and more like Jesus. That's the inevitable result of being yoked up with Jesus is you become spiritually stronger the more you're yoked up with him. He says, okay, now we're, yeah, I just... Just keep walking with me. It's kind of the, the story of Enoch in the Bible. He learned to walk with God. He says, yeah, just, yeah just, just keep walking with me. Just keep walking with me. You know, I love this scripture. Acts chapter 4, verse 13. It says, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled. And they realized that they had been with Jesus. What's happening there? I mean, the, the, all the folk that grew up with Peter, all the folk that grew up with John, they're saying, I know those guys. But they're different now. As a matter of fact, how they're talking and how they're walking and how they're speaking and the way they carry themselves seems an awful lot like Jesus. The Bible says they, they marveled. They took note. They realized that they had been with Jesus. Okay, finally, number four. You can experience rest as never before. I know it sounds counterintuitive, but this is the way of Jesus. He says, look, when, when you yoke up with me, it's not that I'm going to say don't do anything. Yeah, you just sit there. No, no, you yoke up with me and we're going to walk together. And we're going to accomplish God's purposes. I'm going to bring you so that you can accomplish the Father's purpose for your life. We're going to walk together. 
And as you are involved with God, walking with Jesus in his service, you can experience supernatural peace as never before. Philippians 4 verse 9, the Bible says, Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. What is he saying? Here's this man of God, the Apostle Paul. He has been yoked up with Jesus, and he is like Jesus now. And he says, look, y'all, if you're wondering, if you need an example, look to me. Put into practice the things that you've learned, and what's going to happen? The God of peace will be with you. Psalm 119, 165, the Bible says, Great peace have those who love your law, and nothing can make them stumble. Look, here's what I've noticed in my own life. That the times in which I have not been walking with Jesus as closely are the times in which I feel the most vulnerable to anxiety. They're the times in which I feel that I stress out easily. They're the times in which I feel like I anger more quickly. They're the times in which I'm more vulnerable to temptation. But the times in which I'm yoked up closely with Jesus and I'm matching my pace with him and I'm walking with him, it's not that we never encounter stuff. It's not that the ground is always soft. Because the truth is that sometimes God leads us to areas of our life where the ground is a little bit rocky. He says, we've got to plow this land, but don't worry, son. Don't worry, daughter. We're going to go together. Because you see, Jesus is the stronger ox. Jesus is the older brother. He says, look, we're going to go by some areas here, and this is unplowed, unprepared land. But don't you worry about a thing, because I'm with you. You just keep walking with me. You're going to feel a little bit of turbulence. That's okay. Just keep walking with me. Hudson Taylor, the great missionary to China, notice what he confessed about walking with Jesus, what it was like for him. Check out this quote. It says, I'm no longer anxious about anything. As I realize that he is able to carry out his will for me, it does not matter where he places me or how. That is for him to consider, not me. For in the easiest positions, he will give me grace, and in the most difficult ones, his grace is sufficient. She says, look, I've been yoked up with Jesus now for so long that I have no concern anymore as to where Jesus leads me. Because I know that as long as he is leading me, as long as I'm tied up with him, then I'm good. That's his business. That's for him to consider. That's not my business. You know, every week here at Pioneer, we invite people to take some kind of next step in their walk with God. And I want to invite you to take some kind of next step here as well. We've got a few next steps that we want to invite you to consider. Go to pmchurch.org connect. We've got an online connect card there. And for those in our local audience, feel free to pull out your phones right now. You've got these next steps, some different decisions you can make. First of all, how many today simply want to say, I need some prayer in my life? Maybe you're going through something. You've been carrying this weight. You're, you're unsure about following Jesus completely. And you say, yeah, I just need some prayer. Who, who wants to say that today? Just, I need some prayer for whatever it might be. For those watching online, 
I want to say I need prayer. Just check that off on the Connect card. I want to let you know that I'm going to be praying personally for all those that check off this response. I want to pray for you. I need prayer. Number two, maybe you want to reaffirm being yoked up with Jesus. But maybe there's some here today that have, they're not yoked up with him. For whatever reason, you're not walking with Jesus as you should be anymore. But today, the the Spirit is speaking to your heart. You're saying, I don't know what it's going to cost me. I don't know what's going to happen in my life exactly. But I'm willing to leave my plans behind to be yoked up with Jesus. If you want to affirm that as you continue your Christian journey or say that for the first time today, those in our local audience, just raise your hand wherever you are. Say, you know, I want to be yoked up with Jesus. God bless you. God bless you. For those watching online, just check that off. I want to be praying for you as well. All those that say, I want to be yoked up with Jesus. Finally, I want to send you a simple little resource this week. Ten promises of peace and rest. Because there's something about memorizing scripture and claiming the promises of God back to him that I found for me are so fulfilling and meaningful to me. So if you check that off, we'll send that to you this coming week. So just check that off. We'll email that to you. And I just want to pray for you now as you're considering these different decisions. Let's bow our heads together. Father in heaven, I just want to pray for all those that are making decisions right now. And maybe there's somebody here today who's struggling with a decision. But maybe right now in their hearts, they're deciding, they're saying, you know what? I'm going to follow Jesus 100%. I'm going to come and be yoked up under him. So bless every single one of those children of yours as they take these next steps today. Thank you for being a good God. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.